Jim. Now, tonight's discussion is going to be on the doctrine of Christ, you know, specifically as it relates to the people of Ammon, uh, or the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. Now, the doctrine of Christ as it relates to us um, parallels um, Alma chapter chapters 23 through 29 in several ways. Uh, the first is when there's an open dispensation, which, you know, we are currently living in the dispensation of the fullness of times, you know, because of the return of Joseph Smith and preparation for his coming on the scene and finishing the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house and leading the end time exodus. Um, and just like Alma and the sons of Mosiah and Ammon and Aaron, who took the fullness of the gospel to the Lamanites, so will the fullness of the gospel first be taken to um, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and all the restoration movements for the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house in preparation for the end time exodus, at which time the gathering of Israel will commence the marvelous work and wonder, starting with the taking of the fullness of the gospel to the Lamanites and the separation of the wheat and tares among the Lamanites, as will have just happened among the Gentiles or the members of the restoration branches and continuing from there, uh, to the four corners of the earth. And those who participate in the end time exodus um, will have missionary work, which they will be called to. Um, very similar to what Alma and the sons of Mosiah experienced. So as we go through these chapters, um, the, the parallels with what happened then and what is about to happen uh, are striking. So let's start in Alma chapter 23, first verses four through seven as an introduction. And now it came to pass that when the king had sent forth this proclamation, that Aaron and his brethren went forth from city to city and from one house of worship to another, establishing churches and concentrating and consecrating priests and teachers throughout the land among the Lamanites to preach and to teach the word of God among them. And thus they began to have great success. And thousands were brought to the knowledge of the Lord. Yea, thousands were brought to believe in the traditions of the Nephites. And they were taught the records and prophecies which were handed down even to the present time. And as sure as the Lord liveth, so sure as many as believed, or as many as were brought to the knowledge of the truth, through the preaching of Ammon and his brethren, according to the spirit of revelation and of prophecy, and the power of God working miracles in them, yea, I say unto you, as the Lord liveth, as many of the Lamanites as believed in their preaching, 
and were converted unto the Lord, never did fall away. Now, that Ammon and his brethren went forth teaching with the spirit of revelation and of prophecy and the power of God working mighty miracles. Let's cross-reference to Alma chapter 17. And in Alma 17, verses 2 through 5, you know, this is not only a commentary on what Alma and the sons of Mosiah did to prepare for their ministry, it's also instruction for those who have desires to serve God in this, the last ministry before the second coming of Jesus Christ, which commences with the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house and goes from there to gathering out all of Israel. Verse 2. Now these sons of Mosiah were with Alma at the time the angel first appeared unto him. Therefore Alma did rejoice exceedingly to see his brethren, and what added more to his joy? They were still his brethren in the Lord. And they had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth, for they were men of a sound understanding, and they had searched the scriptures diligently, that they might know the word of God. And this is not all. They had given themselves to much prayer and fasting. And because they had applied themselves to the scriptures, searched them diligently, that they might know the word of God and had given themselves to much prayer and fasting. Therefore, they had the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation, just as referenced in Alma chapter 23. And when they taught, they taught with the power and authority of God. And they had been teaching the word of God for the space of 14 years among the Lamanites, having had much success bringing many to the knowledge of the truth. Yea, by the power of their words, many were brought before the altar of God to call on his name and confess their sins before him. Now these are the circumstances which attended them in their journeys, for they had many afflictions. They did suffer much both in body and in mind, such as hunger and thirst and fatigue and also much labor in the spirit." And so going back to Alma 23, verse 5, And thousands were brought to the knowledge of the Lord, yea, thousands were brought to believe in the traditions of the Nephites, and they were taught the records and prophecies which were handed down even to the present time. And as sure as the Lord liveth, so sure as many as believed, or as many as were brought to the knowledge of the truth, through the preaching of Ammon and his brethren, according to the spirit of revelation and of prophecy and the power of God, which they gained through studying the scriptures, through much prayer and fasting, and suffering all manner of privation, deprivation, and um, you know, suffering. Yea, I say unto you, as the Lord liveth, as many of the Lamanites as believed in their preaching and were converted unto the Lord, never did fall away. And 
This is because they taught by the power and authority of God to a people who had been prepared by God to receive a fullness and had been kept from the truth heretofore only because they knew not where to find it. Verse 7, For they became a righteous people, and they did lay down the weapons of their rebellion, that they did not fight against God anymore, neither against any of their brethren. And these are they who were converted unto the Lord. And these are the names of the cities of the Lamanites, which were converted unto the Lord. And these are they that laid down the weapons of the rebellion, yea, all their weapons of war, and they were all Lamanites. And verse 14, And the Amalekites were not converted, save only one. Neither were any of the Amulonites, but they did harden their hearts, and also the hearts of the Lamanites in that part of the land, whithersoever they dwelt, yea, and all their villages and all their cities. Therefore, we have named all the cities of the Lamanites, in which they did repent and come to the knowledge of the truth, and were converted. And now it came to pass that the king and those who were converted were desirous that they might have a name, that thereby they might be distinguished from their brethren. Therefore the king consulted with Aaron and many of their priests concerning the name that they should take upon them, that they might be distinguished. And it came to pass that they called their names Anti-Nephi-Lehi's, and they were called by this name, and were no more called Lamanites, and they began to be a very industrious people, and they were friendly with the Nephites. Therefore, they did open a correspondence with them, and the curse of God did no more follow them. And in Alma 24, verses 1 through 3, And it came to pass that the Amalekites, and the Amulonites, and the Lamanites, who were in the land of Amulon, and also in the land of Helam, and who were in the land of Jerusalem, and in fine, in all the land round about, who had not been converted, and had not taken upon themselves the name of Anti-Nephi-Lehi, were stirred up by the Amalekites and by the Amulonites to anger against their brethren. And their hatred became exceedingly sore against them, even insomuch that they began to rebel against their king, insomuch that they would not, that he should be their king. Therefore, they took up arms against the people of Anti-Nephi-Lehi. And now the king conferred the kingdom upon his son, and he called his name Anti-Nephi-Lehi. And verse 5, And when Ammon and his brethren and all those who had come up with him saw the preparations of the Lamanites to destroy their brethren, they came forth to the land of Midian. And there came Ammon, All right. Uh, someone unmuted themselves. And when Ammon and his brethren and all those who had come up with him saw the preparations of the Lamanites to destroy their brethren, they came forth to the land of Midian, and there Ammon met all his brethren. And from thence they came to the land of Ishmael, that they might hold a council with Lamoni and also with his brother Anti-Nephi-Lehi 
that they should, what they should do to defend themselves against the Lamanites. Now, there was not one soul among all the people who had been converted unto the Lord that would take up arms against their brethren. Nay, they would not even make any preparations for war. Yea, and also their king commanded them that they should not. Now these are the words which he said unto the people concerning the matter. I thank my God, my beloved people, that our great God in his goodness sent these our brethren the Nephites unto us to preach unto us and to convince us of the traditions of the wicked of our wicked fathers. And behold, I thank my great God that he has given us a portion of his spirit to soften our hearts, that we have opened a correspondence with these brethren, the Nephites. And behold, I also thank my God that my opening this correspondence, that by opening this correspondence, we have been convinced of our sins and of the many murders which we have committed. And I also thank my God, yea, my great God, that he hath granted unto us that we might repent of these things, and also that he hath forgiven us of those our many sins and murders which we have committed and taken away the guilt from our hearts through the merits of his Son. And now behold, my brethren, since it has been all that we could do, as we were the most lost of all mankind, to repent of all our sins and the many murders which we have committed and to get God to take them away from our hearts. For it was all we could do to repent sufficiently before God that he would take away our sins. Now, my best beloved brethren, since God hath taken away our stains and our swords have become bright, then let us stain our swords no more with the blood of our brethren. Behold, I say unto you, nay, let us retain our swords that they be not stained with the blood of our brethren. For perhaps if we should stain our swords again, they can no more be washed bright through the blood of the Son of our great God, which shall be shed for the atonement of our sins. And the great God has had mercy on us and made these things known unto us that we might not perish. Yea, he has made these things known unto us beforehand because he loveth our souls as well as he loveth our children. Therefore, in his mercy, he doth visit us by his angels that the plan of salvation might be made known unto us as well as unto future generations. Oh, how merciful is our God. And now behold, since it, since it has been as much as we could do to get our stains taken away from us, our swords are made bright. Let us hide them away, that they may be kept bright as a testimony to our God at the last day, or at the day that we shall be brought to stand before him to be judged that we have not stained our swords in the blood of our brethren, since he imparted his word unto us and has made us clean thereby. And now, my brethren, if our brethren seek to destroy us, behold, we will hide away our swords, yet even we will bury them deep in the earth, that they may be kept bright as a testimony that we have never used them at the last day. And if our brethren destroy us, behold, we shall go to our God and shall be saved. And now it came to pass that when the king had made an end of these sayings, and all the people were assembled together, they took their swords and all their weapons, which were used for the shedding of man's blood, and they had buried them deep in the earth. And this they did, 
it being in their view a testimony to God and also to men that they never would use weapons again for the shedding of man's blood. And this they did vouching and covenanting with God that rather than shed the blood of their brethren, they would give up their own lives. And rather than take away from a brother, they would give unto him. And rather than spend their days in idleness, they would labor abundantly with their hands. And thus we see that when these Lamanites were brought to believe and to know the truth, they were firm and would suffer even unto death rather than commit sin. And thus we see that they buried their weapons of peace or they buried their weapons of war for peace. Now, this type of conversion is evidence that they had not only been converted from their false traditions, but had been converted to the point where they also, like King Lamoni and his father, um, received the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, that they had this mighty change of heart, that they completely turned from their old life unto a new life and would rather suffer you know, death um, by the sword than break the covenant which they had made with their God, uh, which covenant that if God would forgive them for their many crimes and their murders, that they would never again uh, shed the blood of another. And it came to pass that their brethren, the Lamanites, made preparations for war and came up to the land of Nephi for the purpose of destroying the king and to place another in his stead and also of destroying the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi out of the land. Now when the people saw that they were coming against them, they went out to meet them and prostrated themselves before them to the earth and began to call on the name of the Lord. And thus they were in this attitude when the Lamanites began to fall upon them and began to slay them with the sword. And thus, without meeting any resistance, they did slay a thousand and five of them. And we know that they are blessed, for they have gone to dwell with their God. Now when the Lamanites saw that their brethren would not flee from the sword, neither would they turn aside to the right hand or to the left, but they would lie down and perish and praise God, even in the very act of perishing under the sword. Now when the Lamanites saw this, they did forbear from slaying them. And there were many whose hearts were swollen in them. For those of their brethren who had fallen under the sword, for they repented of the things which they had done. And it came to pass that they threw down their weapons of war, and they would not take them again. And they were stung for the murders which they had committed. And they came down even as their brethren, relying upon the mercies of those whose arms were lifted to slay them. And it came to pass that the people of God were joined that day by more than the number who had been slain. And those who had been slain were righteous people. Therefore, we have no reason to doubt, but they were saved. And there was not a wicked man slain among them, but there were more than a thousand brought to the knowledge of the truth. Thus we see that the Lord worketh in many ways to the salvation of his people. Now the greatest number of those of the Lamanites who slew so many of their brethren were Amalekites and Amulonites 
and the greatest number of whom were after the order of Nahor's. Now, among those who joined the people of the Lord were none who were Amalekites or Amulonites or who were or of the order of Nahor, but they were actual descendants of Laman and Lemuel. And thus we can plainly discern that after a people have been once enlightened by the Spirit of God and have had great knowledge of things pertaining to righteousness and have fallen away into sin and transgression, they become more hardened and thus their state becomes worse than though they had never known these things. Now, let's cross-reference in DNC 101. For in DNC 101, in the parable of the redemption of Zion, we learn that Joseph Smith only had the opportunity to lay the foundation of the restoration. But because the Latter-day Saints rejected the fullness of the gospel, it was taken from them. And in turn, at the death of Joseph, or by the time of the death of Joseph, as recorded in DNC 124, we stood rejected as a church with our dead. And were to remain in this condition until the return of Joseph Smith and the opening of a new dispensation for the dispensation that Joseph Smith opened during his first ministry, as recorded in DNC 110, was the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham or the preparatory gospel. And the dispensation of the fullness of times would and has been opened by Joseph Smith in this, our generation. And along with the opening of this dispensation is again, the restoration of the fullness of the gospel, even the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of Christ. And with this new dispensation, we also have an opening of the heavens. And with the opening of the heavens, it begins to again be possible, as the doctrine of Christ is taught in power and authority, to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart, contrite spirit, and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus become God's people, his sons and his daughters. Verse 55, and the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, and as we read in DNC 103, this servant is Joseph Smith Jr. Go and gather together the residue of my servants, or those who were called during Joseph Smith's first ministry in DNC 88, the first labors in the last kingdom, and those who remain true and faithful to the Lord, they all return with Joseph Smith. And so Joseph Smith first assembles and gathers them and take all the strength of my house. So then they go about and begin the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house or among the Latter-day Saints, those with eyes to see, ears to hear and hearts to understand. When they either are taught the fullness of the gospel by the spirit as when they read through the Book of Mormon or have the doctrine of Christ declared to them in power and authority. Those who receive the doctrine of Christ with gladness and enter into the new covenant are the strength of Lord's house. And those who do not and those who will not are the terrors. 
whose bands shall be made strong, that they may be burned, as it says in verse 66, with unquenchable fire. And so, as it was with the Amulonites and the Amalekites among the Nephites and Lamanites, who once having been enlightened with greater light and knowledge, um, but would turn away from the light and would reject the fullness. So it is and will be among the Latter-day Saints. Because we have been enlightened, because we've had access to the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the scripture of the Restoration, including the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants, those who will reject the fullness of the gospel when it is proclaimed to them will become more hardened. And the devil will have power over their hearts and will stir them up to anger against that which is good and against those who are good and those who would become sons and daughters of Christ. So there is a direct parallel between Alma 24 and the end-time gathering of the strength of the Lord's house among the Latter-day Saints. And verse 56, And go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard, and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine, I have bought it with money. Therefore get ye straightway unto the land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower, and scatter their watchmen. Now these enemies are clearly defined in the prior verses in DNC 101 as those who will harden their hearts, you know, against the fullness of the gospel and even against uh, Jesus Christ in the fullness of his gospel, um, you know, including leadership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who will fight against the doctrine of Christ and Joseph Smith in his return. And these are the enemies that are being referred to. And they are they who have become as the Amalekites and the Amulonites. Um, as we read in Alma, uh, none were converted except for one. Therefore get ye straightway unto the land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower, and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies. And again, these enemies being spoken of are those who have had access to the fullness of the gospel and have become more hardened because they have rejected the greater light. Verse 64, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue, that I may build them up unto my name upon holy places. For the time of harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. Therefore, I must gather together my people, according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life, and to be crowned with celestial glory, when I shall come in the kingdom of my Father to reward every man according as his work shall be, while the tares shall be bound in bundles, and their bands made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. 
and the time is growing continually short as they're now rolling out the vaccine against the fake COVID-19 pandemic. Um, to accept that vaccine is a literal death sentence, uh, perhaps not in the first dose because they cut it down to 25% of the orig original dose. Um, but eventually it will prove a death sentence to the Latter-day Saints. And Russell M. Nelson has made intimations that he will be declaring that it is the mind and will of God that the Latter-day Saints receive this vaccine as uh, an example to the world of being global citizens. And as their duty and responsibility to um, the direction of the church as it parallels with, as Elder Christofferson said in the Saturday afternoon session of General Conference, UN Agenda 2030, which is a continuation of UN Agenda 2021. Back in Alma 24. Alma 25. And now behold, now it came to pass that those Lamanites were more angry because they had slain their brethren. Therefore they swore with vengeance upon the Nephites, and they did no more attempt to slay the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi at that time. But they took their armies and went over into the borders of the land of Zarahemla and fell upon the people who were in the land of Ammonihah and destroyed them. And after that, they had many battles with the Nephites, in the which they were driven and slain. And among the Lamanites who were slain were almost all the seed of Amulon and his brethren, who were the priests of Noah, and they were slain by the hands of the Nephites. And the remainder, having fled into the east wilderness and having usurped power and authority over the Lamanites, caused that many of the Lamanites should perish by fire because of their belief. For many of them, after having suffered much loss and so many afflictions, began to be stirred up in remembrance of the words which Aaron and his brethren had preached to them in their land. Therefore, they began to disbelieve the tradition of their fathers and to believe the Lord and that he gave great power unto the Nephites. And thus were many of them converted in the wilderness again. They were converted after having the seed planted in their hearts by Aaron and his brethren. And even though they hadn't converted at the time of the testimony, yet to, they, they needed tribulation that they might be humbled. And once they were humbled, they were ready to enter into covenant with their God and leave their wicked traditions. And so it is with the Latter-day Saints. So we see not only the Latter-day Saints, but the whole world is about to go into bondage. And many of the Latter-day Saints need desperately this bondage that their hearts might be softened, that they might awaken to the doctrine of Christ. And like the Lamanites, 
be willing to enter into that new and everlasting covenant with God, whereby they might become his sons and his daughters. And it came to pass that those rulers, who are the remnant of the children of Amulon, caused that they should be put to death. Yea, all those that believed in these things. So, you know, it is a false tradition that everybody who converts to the Lord, who enters into the covenant path and seeks to take upon themselves the name of Christ, will be saved from physical death. Um, for to choose the path of discipleship is to choose the path of humiliation and of suffering. And it requires that we're willing to lay everything upon the altar and sacrifice everything, even if it be our own life. As a cross-reference in DNC 103, the continuation of the parable of the redemption of Zion and its commentary. Verse 27, let no man be afraid to lay down his life for my sake. For whoso layeth down his life for my sake shall find it again. And whoso is not willing to lay down his life for my sake is not my disciple. And for those who are called to lay down everything, including their own lives, it will be the very thing required of them to continue on the path of ascension. And if they had not had that opportunity, they would have been stifled in their ascension. And whether we live or whether we die, as long as we are disciples of Jesus Christ, it mattereth not. For if we live, we live unto the Lord, and if we die, we die unto the Lord. And either way, we will come forth and will enter into millennial rest with Christ. Um, But it may well be that without the opportunity to sacrifice our life for the sake of Christ and for his name, um, we would not make it. Verse 7 again, And it came to pass that those rulers who were a remnant of the children of Amulon caused that they should put to death yea, all those who believed in these things. Now this martyrdom caused that many of their brethren should be stirred up to anger, and there began to be contention in the wilderness. And the Lamanites began to hunt the seed of Amulon and his brethren and began to slay them. And they fled into the east wilderness. And behold, they are hunted at this day by the Lamanites. Thus the words of Abinadi were brought to pass, which he said concerning the seed of the priests, who caused that he should suffer death by fire. For he said unto them, What ye shall do unto me shall be a type of things to come. And now Abinadi was the first that suffered death by fire because of his belief in God. Now this is what he meant, that many should suffer death by fire according as he had suffered. And Abinadi is another example of of one who was required to be a martyr. 
And at his stage, on his path of ascension, he had to seal his testimony with his blood and be willing to face the flames and not pull back and not take back and not deny anything which God had commanded him to declare. Verse 11, and now Abinadi was the first that suffered death by fire because of his belief in God. And now this is what he meant, that many should suffer death by fire according as he had suffered. And he said unto the priests of Noah that their seed should cause many to be put to death in the like manner as he was, and that they should be scattered abroad and slain, even as a sheep having no shepherd is driven and slain by wild beasts, And now behold, these words were verified, for they were driven by the Lamanites, and they were hunted, and they were smitten. And it came to pass that when the Lamanites saw that they could not overpower the Nephites, they returned again to their own land. And many of them came over to dwell in the land of Ishmael and the land of Nephi, and to join themselves to the people of God who were the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi. And... You know, one of the great lessons from this chapter is to learn the the non-linear path in which God was able to gather out the wheat from among the tares. And in the beginning, all were hardened. And it was not possible to uh, discern any of the wheat from the tares because they all appeared as tares. But because of the way the events unfolded, And even the righteous being willing to go to their death and stand true and faithful in their testimony of Jesus Christ, uh, in that very act of being willing to go to their death, it caused a reformation among the people, and it softened the hearts of people. And there were many who joined the church of God because the martyrs were willing to take upon them that yoke and offer up that sacrifice. In verse 16, Now they did not suppose that salvation came by the law of Moses, but the law of Moses did serve to strengthen their faith in Christ, and thus they did retain a hope through faith unto eternal salvation relying upon the spirit of prophecy which spake of those things to come. And now behold, Ammon and Aaron and Omner and Himni and their brethren did rejoice exceedingly for the success which they had among the Lamanites, seeing that the Lord had granted unto them according to their prayers, and that he had also verified his words unto them in every particular. And going back to verse 16. You know, talking about those Lamanites who ultimately converted to the Lord. And thus they did retain hope through faith. Now, what we normally define as faith is actually hope. Hope is belief and trust, although we usually ascribe that definition to faith. But faith is seeking after receiving and acting on revelation. So as these new converts combined hope, which is belief and trust with faith, which is seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, 
um, unto eternal salvation, or in other words, they gained the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus became sons and daughters of Christ and qualified to come forth during the millennial period after Christ comes in the fullness of his glory. And this is what salvation is. Relying upon the spirit of prophecy. Now remember that Alma and the sons of Mosiah gained the spirit of prophecy and revelation through studying the scriptures and through much prayer and fasting. And that these people who had been converted by them and who had been taught by them also through experiencing the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, by entering into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, also attained unto the gift of prophecy and revelation. And thus, they were able to endure all the hardships which would be placed upon their shoulders. And again, in Alma 24, verse 30, And thus we can plainly discern that after a people have been once enlightened by the Spirit of God. Now, as I read this, it applies to both the Latter-day Saints and to the Amalekites and the Amulonites um, of Alma and the sons of Mosiah's day. That after people have been once enlightened by the Spirit of God, and have had great knowledge of things pertaining to righteousness, and then have fallen away into sin and transgression. They become more hardened, and thus their state becomes worse than though they had never known these things. Alma 27, 1-13. Now it came to pass that when those Lamanites, who had gone to war against the Nephites, had found after their many struggles to destroy them, that it was in vain to seek their destruction. They returned again to the land of Nephi. And it came to pass that the Amalekites, because of their loss, were exceedingly angry. And when they saw that they could not seek revenge from the Nephites, they began to stir up the people in anger against their brethren, the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi. Therefore, they began again to destroy them. And this people again refused to take up their arms, and they suffered themselves to be slain according to the desires of their enemies. Now when Ammon and his brethren saw the work of destruction among those whom they so dearly beloved, and among those who had so dearly beloved them, for they were treated as though they were angels sent from God to save them from everlasting destruction. Therefore, when Ammon and his brethren saw this great work of destruction, they were moved with compassion, and they said unto the king, Let us gather together this people of the Lord, and let us go down to the land of Zarahemla to our brethren the Nephites, and flee out of the hands of our enemies, that we be not destroyed. But the king said unto them, Behold, the Nephites will destroy us because of the many murders and sins which we have committed against them. And Ammon said, I will go and inquire of the Lord. And if he say unto us, go down unto our brethren, will ye go? And the king said unto him, yea, if the Lord saith unto us, go, we will go down unto our brethren. 
and we will be their slaves until we repair unto them the many murders and sins which we have committed against them. But Ammon said unto him, It is against the law of our brethren, which was established by my father, that there should be any slaves among them. Therefore, let us go down and rely. But the king said unto him, Inquire of the Lord. And if he saith unto us, Go, we will go. Otherwise, we will perish in the land. And it came to pass that Ammon went and inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Get this people out of this land, that they perish not. For Satan has great hold on the hearts of the Amalekites, who do stir up the Lamanites to anger against their brethren to slay them. Therefore, get thee out of this land, and blessed are this people in this generation, for I will preserve them. And now it came to pass that Ammon went and told the king all the words which the Lord had said unto him. And verse 15, And it came to pass that Ammon said unto them, Behold, I and my brethren will go forth into the land of Zarahemla, and ye shall remain here until we return, and we will try the hearts of our brethren, whether they will that ye shall come into their land. And it came to pass that as Ammon was going forth into the land, that he and his brethren met Alma over the place of which has been spoken. Behold, this was a joyful meeting. Now the joy of Ammon was so great, even that he was full, and he was swallowed up in the joy of his God, even to the exhausting of his strength, and he fell again to the earth. And now was not this exceeding joy. Behold, this is joy, which none receiveth, save it be the truly penitent and humble seeker of happiness. Now this joy of Alma in meeting his brethren was truly great, and also the joy of Aaron and of Omner and of Himni. And behold, their joy was not that to exceed their strength. And now it came to pass that Alma conducted his brethren back to the land of Zarahemla, even to his own house. And they went and told the chief judge all the things that had happened unto them in the land of Nephi among their brethren, the Lamanites. And it came to pass that the chief judge sent a proclamation throughout all the land, desiring the voice of the people concerning the admitting their brethren, who were the people of Anti-Nephi-Lehi. And it came to pass that the voice of the people came, saying, Behold, we will give up the land of Jershon, which is on the east side of the sea, which joins the land of Bountiful, which is on the south of the land of Bountiful. And this land, Jershon, is the land which we will give unto our brethren for an inheritance. And behold, we will set our armies between the land of Jershon and the land of Nephi, that we may protect our brethren in the land of Jershon. And this we do for our brethren on account of their fear to take up arms against their brethren, lest they should commit sin. And this their great fear came because of their sore repentance, which they had on account of their many murders and their awful wickedness. You know, oftentimes the anti-Nephi-Lehi's are given as an example of why pacifism should be proclaimed. Um, but it's important to remember the context in which the anti-Nephi-Lehi's laid down their arms and covenanted never to take them up again. As it said, uh, this covenant was because of their sore repentance, which they had on account of their many murders and their awful wickedness. And now behold, this will we do unto our brethren, that they may inherit the land Jershon. 
and we will guard them from their enemies with our armies on condition that they will give us a portion of their substance to assist us that we may maintain our armies. And, and, and thus we see that it wasn't that nobody had to take up arms in defense of these people. Uh, for the Nephites did have to take up arms in defense of the anti-Nephi-Lehi's or else they would all be slaughtered. And so, you know, usually the price of freedom is blood. And the Nephites were willing to uh, take upon them this responsibility because of their belief in God and their religion and their commitment to God. You know, but the anti-Nephi-Lehi's were required to, you know, give, you know, monetary support, you know, to pay for uh, the defense by the Nephites that they were receiving. Verse 25, now it came to pass that when Ammon had heard this, he returned to the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi and also Alma with him unto the wilderness where they had pitched their tents and had made known unto them all these things. And Alma also related unto them his, his conversion and Ammon and Aaron and his brethren. And it came to pass that it did cause great joy among them. And they went down into the land of Jershon and took possession of the land of Jershon. And they were called by the Nephites, the people of Ammon. Therefore, they were distinguished by that name ever after. And they were among the people of Nephi and also numbered among the people who were of the church of God. And they were also distinguished for their zeal towards God and also towards men, for they were perfectly honest and upright in all things. And they were firm in the faith of Christ, even unto the end. And I would say this is one of the models that we should hold ourselves up to as true believers in Jesus Christ and as those who are willing to place everything upon the altar and enter into the new covenant that we also might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and become God's people. Again, verse 27. And they were also distinguished for their zeal towards God. And may we also be distinguished for our zeal towards God and also towards men. And may we also be distinguished because of the love that we have for our brothers and sisters and our willingness to sacrifice everything for the kingdom of God and building up of his kingdom, you know, even if it should require that we put our own reputation, our families, and our very lives upon the altar, that we might bring a few of these, our brothers and our sisters, to a knowledge of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just as did uh, Alma and Ammon and Aaron and Omner and Himni, you know, the sons of Mosiah, and the Lamanites who were converted. For they were perfectly honest. Certainly, this is a virtue that we should seek after. 
and upright in all things. Their religion was not a Sunday observance, but took they took seriously um, that they had taken upon them the name of Christ. And they were firm in the faith of Christ even unto the end. And they did look upon the shedding of blood of their brethren with the greatest abhorrence. And they never could be prevailed upon to take up arms against their brethren. And they never did look upon death with any degree of terror. And can we say that the prospect of an untimely death holds no terror for us because so great is our hope and faith in Jesus Christ? And they never did look upon death with any degree of terror for their hope and views of Christ and the resurrection. Therefore, death was swallowed up to them by the victory of Christ over it. Therefore, they would not suffer death or therefore they would suffer death in the most aggravating and distressing manner which could be inflicted by their brethren before they would take the sword or scimitar to smite them. And the parallel that I would draw um, is to Fox's Book of Martyrs. And Fox was a contemporary of Shakespeare, and he traced the martyrs from the death of Christ's 12 apostles uh, up through the death of the early Christians, and then the death of the true believers of Christ by the Catholic Church, who also would be tortured and would be put to death in the most inhumane manner. And not only them, but also their families, which they were made to watch, and all that would be required of them for a quick death for they and their families instead instead of a long drawn out agonizing torture would be to deny what they knew to be true but they would not and neither would those Lamanites who had been converted and neither must we for we are about to enter similar times. Verse 30, And thus they were a zealous and beloved people, a highly favored people of the Lord. It would be a good thing to ask oneself, Because of the way that I have lived my life, um, once converted, and am I living it now in a manner that shows the Lord my zeal, that I also might become one of those who the Lord would call his highly favored people. Alma 28. And now it came to pass that after the people of Ammon were established in the land of Jershon, 
and a church also established in the land of Jershon. And the armies of the Nephites were set round about the land of Jershon, yea, in all the borders round about the land of Zarahemla. Behold, the armies of the Lamanites had followed their brethren into the wilderness. And thus were, and thus was a tremendous battle, yea, even such an one as has never been known among all the people in the land from the time Lehi left Jerusalem. Yea, tens of thousands of the Lamanites were slain and scattered abroad. Yea, and also there was a tremendous slaughter among the people of Nephi. Nevertheless, the Lamanites were driven and scattered, and the people of Nephi returned again to their land. And now this was the time that there was a great mourning and lamentation heard throughout all the land among all the people of Nephi. Yea, the cry of widows mourning for their husbands, and also of fathers mourning for their sons, and daughters for their brothers, yea, and brothers for their fathers. And thus the cry of mourning was heard among all of them, mourning for their kindred who had been slain. And now surely this was a sorrowful day, yea, a time of solemnity and a time of much fasting and prayer. And thus ended the 15th year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And this is the account of Ammon and his brethren, their journeys in the land of Nephi, their sufferings in the land, their sorrows and their afflictions, and their incomprehensible joy and the reception and safety of their brethren in the land of Jershon. And now may the Lord, the Redeemer of all men, bless their souls forever. So again, to enter into discipleship of Jesus Christ is not to choose the easy path. It is usually to choose the most difficult path, but the path which is the most rewarding and the only path that is associated with joy. And this is the account of the wars and contentions among the Nephites, and also the wars between the Nephites and the Lamanites. And the 15th year of the reign of the judges is ended. And from the first year to the 15th has brought to pass the destruction of many thousands of lives. Yet is brought to pass an awful scene of bloodshed. And the bodies of many thousands are laid low in the earth. And the bodies of many thousands are moldering in heaps upon the face of the earth. Yea, and many thousands are mourning for the loss of their kindred because they have reason to fear according to the promises of the Lord, and they are consigned to a state of endless woe, while many thousands of others truly mourn for the loss of their kindred. Yet they rejoice and exult in hope. Yea, even know according to the promise of the Lord that they are raised to dwell at the right hand of God in a state of never-ending happiness. And thus we see how great the inequality of man because of sin and transgression and the power of the devil, which comes by the cunning plans which he hath devised to ensnare the hearts of men. And thus we see the great call of diligence of men to labor in the vineyards of the Lord. And thus we see the great reason of sorrow and also of rejoicing. Sorrow because of death and destruction among men and joy because the light of Christ unto eternal life. Now, let's compare the Psalms of Alma and Ammon regarding their missionary efforts. Alma 29, we have the Psalm of Alma. And Alma 26, we have the Psalm of Ammon. So starting in Alma 29, the Psalm of Alma. Oh, that I were an angel and could have the wish of mine heart 
that I might go forth and speak with the trump of God, with a voice to shake the earth and cry repentance unto every people. Yea, I would declare unto every soul, as with the voice of thunder, repentance, and the plan of redemption, that they should repent and come unto our God, that there might not be more sorrow upon all the face of the earth. And behold, I am a man, and do sin in my wish. For I ought to be content with the things which the Lord hath allotted unto me. Um, And may I interject that the time that is quickly approaching will be the first time in human history, at least since the flood, that men were given the power and the ability and the opportunity to take the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to every corner of the earth and declare salvation unto every man, woman, and child who qualifies for deliverance from destruction. The very thing that Alma cried out for is the very opportunity that we will have presented to us if we remain true and faithful. But behold, I am a man, verse 3, and do sin in my wish. For I ought to be content with the things which the Lord hath allotted unto me. I ought not to harrow up in my desires the firm decree of a just God. For I know that he granteth unto men according to their desire, whether it be unto death or unto life. So ultimately, because of the doctrine of eternal lives and how opportunities are arranged, every man and every woman ultimately will receive exactly what they desire. I ought not, verse 4, to harrow up my desires, the firm decree of a just God, for I knoweth that he granteth unto men according to their desire, whether it be unto life or death. Yea, I know that he allotteth unto man, yea, decreeth unto them decrees which are unalterable, according to their wills, whether they be unto salvation or unto destruction. Yea, I know that good and evil have come before all men. He that knoweth not good from evil is blameless, but he that knoweth good and evil, to him it is given according to his desires, whether he desire good or evil, life or death, joy or remorse of conscience. And to that point, it is given unto every man and woman that is born upon this earth by the light of Christ sufficient to know good from evil and in the exact measure to which that man or woman heeds to the light of Christ that they receive and are true and faithful to it they are given more of the light of Christ and their knowledge is increased upon them. Verse 6, Now seeing that I know these things, why should I, des- why should I desire more than to perform the work to which I have been called? Why should I desire that I were an angel, that I could speak unto all the ends of the earth? For behold, the Lord doth grant unto all nations of their own nation and tongue to teach his word, yea, in wisdom, all that he seeth fit, that they should have, therefore we see that the Lord doth counsel in wisdom according to that which is just and true. And so that is why we see golden threads of truth 
among almost all the world religions, because almost all the world religions uh, had their beginning in a restoration of the truth. Now, there are many different degrees of restoration, and uh, there is a great difference between the preparatory gospel, you know, the spirit of Elias, and the fullness of the gospel, the church of Christ, and then the church of the firstborn. And from time to time, you know, the Lord sends his messengers and open again, opens again the heavens, and a new dispensation begins, and the heavens open. Um, but the rule is that we see played out time and time and time again. In fact, every time throughout the history of the world, the rule is that as soon as a dispensation is opened and truth is restored, that men and women will go into apostasy. Um, but in that apostasy, usually there are threads of truth are maintained. And so thus we see these golden threads maintained among the world religions. And, you know, some maintain one thread of truth and others, other threads of truth. And, you know, that is precisely, you know, what, you know, happened to the Latter-day Saints. Um, Latter-day Saints even in the condition of being rejected as a church with our dead, as it states in DNC 124, still, you know, we retain a greater knowledge due largely to our having the scriptures of the restoration, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, and our access to the fullness of the gospel, you know, and our access to Aaronic priesthood, Therefore, we maintain a greater light and knowledge than any other people of the whole earth. And because of that access, because we maintain more golden threads, there is more that is expected and required of us than any other people upon the face of the earth. And because more is required, if we fail... to measure up to that requirement, the consequence will be greater than to any other people of the whole earth. Verse 8, For behold, the Lord doth grant unto all nations of their own nation and tongue to teach his word, yea, in wisdom all that he seeth fit, that they should have Therefore, we see that the Lord doth counsel in wisdom according to that which is just and true. Now, this statement, just and true, if we cross-reference in DNC 76, we're given an explanation of the full meaning of this term, just and true, which is used throughout the Book of Mormon to denote the fullness of the doctrine of Christ and that the doctrine of Christ is designed to bring men and women into Christ's presence in this life, in his fullness and in his glory. Verse 53. So after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost in verse 52, and who overcome by faith 
and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is Christ, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. Those who are just and true are those who have ascended to the level that they are instructed sufficiently to part the veil and enter into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory in this life. And verse 54, they are they who are the church of the firstborn. So turning back to Alma chapter 29, at the end of verse 8, therefore we see that the Lord doth counsel in wisdom according to that which is just and true. Or in other words, the counsel of the Lord comes to those sufficient to instruct them to part the veil and enter into Christ's presence who have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and remain true and faithful, feasting upon the words of Christ. Verse 9, I know that which the Lord hath commanded me, and I glory in it. I do not glory of myself, but I glory in that which the Lord hath commanded me. Yea, and this is my glory, that perhaps I may be an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul to repentance. And this is my joy. And may I submit that we need to study both the psalm of Alma and of Ammon, that we also might model our desires after theirs, because they were two servants. And they, because of much study and prayer and fasting and acting gained the gift of prophecy and revelation, whereby they were the instruments of the Lord's in converting thousands, yea, even tens of thousands. And I do not glory in myself, verse 9, but I glory in that which the Lord hath commanded me, yea, and this is my glory that perhaps I may be an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul to repentance, and this is my joy. And behold, when I see many of my brethren truly penitent and coming to the Lord their God, then is my soul filled with joy. And then do I remember what the Lord hath done for me, yea, even that he hath heard my prayer. Yea, then do I remember his merciful arm, which he extended toward me. And I also remember the captivity of my fathers, for I surely do know that the Lord did deliver them out of bondage, and by this did establish his church. Yea, the Lord God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, did deliver them out of bondage. And I have also remembered that the captivity of my fathers, and that same God who delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians, did deliver them out of bondage. Yea, and that same God did establish his church among them. Yea, and that same God hath called me by a holy calling to preach the word unto this people, and hath given me much success, in the which my joy is full. But do not, I do not joy in my own success alone, but my joy is more full because of the success of my brethren, who have been up to the land of Nephi. Behold, they have labored exceedingly, and have brought forth much fruit, and how great shall be their reward. Now, when I think of the success of these, my brethren, my soul is carried away even to the separation of it from the body, as it were. So great is my joy. And now may God grant unto these, my brethren, that they may sit down in the kingdom of God, yea, and also all those who are the fruit of their labors, 
that they may go no more out, but that they may praise him forever. Now, this instance of going no more out is going no more out of the true and faithful worship of God. And may God grant that it may be done according to my words, even as I have spoken. Amen. And now cross-referencing the Psalm of Alma, Ammon, in Alma 26, starting in verse 1. And now these are the words of Ammon to his brethren, which say thus, My brothers and my brethren, behold, I say unto you, how great reason have we to rejoice. For could have we supposed when we started from the land of Zarahemla that God would have granted unto us such great blessings? And so it will be to um, the strength of the Lord's house and those servants who work shoulder to shoulder with the first labors in the last kingdom who begin the work of gathering out the strength of the Lord's house among the Latter-day Saints. And then it will continue on that end-time exodus to gather out Israel. They will also say, how could we have supposed that when we started from this land of the Latter-day Saints, that God would have granted unto us such great blessings? And now I ask, what great blessings has he bestowed upon us? Can ye tell? Behold, I answer for you. For our brethren, the Lamanites, were in darkness, yea, even in the darkest abyss. But behold, how many of them are brought to behold the marvelous light of God. And this is the blessing which he hath been bestowed upon us, that we have been made instruments in the hands of God to bring about this great work. And how many of us would be ready that as we were required to sacrifice all things, but became instruments in the hand of God to the converting of many unto the fullness of the truth, would be able to cry out in joy, thinking nothing for the sacrifices that we had made but counting all to the glory of God and being overwhelmed with gratitude that we had also been made instruments in the hand of God in bringing about his great work. Verse four, behold, thousands of them do rejoice and have been brought into the fold of God. Behold, the field was ripe and blessed are ye for ye did thrust in the sickle and ye did reap with your might. Is not the same invitation extended to us? Yea, all the day long did ye labor, and behold, the number of your sheaves, and they shall be gathered into the garners, that they are not wasted. Yea, shall they not be beaten down by the storm at the last day. Yea, neither shall they be harrowed up by the whirlwinds. But when the storm cometh, they shall be gathered together in their place, that the storm cannot penetrate to them. Yea, neither shall they be driven with the fierce winds, whithersoever the enemy listeth to carry them. But behold, they are in the hands of the Lord of the harvest, and they are his, and he will raise them up at the last day. Blessed be the name of our God. Let us sing to his praise. Let us give thanks to his holy name, for he doth work righteousness forever. 
For if we had not come up out of the land of Zarahemla, these are dearly beloved brethren who have so clearly beloved us would still have been racked with hatred against us. Yea, they would also have been strangers to God. And as we look at the use of the term strangers um, in the scriptures, uh, it is those who have not uh, embarked in the covenant path of offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit and either are on course to receive or have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. These are strangers. And it came to pass that when Ammon said these words, his brother Aaron rebuked him, saying, Ammon, I fear that thy joy doth carry thee away unto boasting. But Ammon said unto him, I do not boast of my own strength, nor in mine own wisdom, but behold, my joy is full. Yea, my heart is is brim with joy, and I will rejoice in my God. Yea, I know that I am nothing as to my strength. I am weak, therefore I will not boast of myself, but I will boast of my God, for in his strength I can do all things. Yea, behold, many mighty miracles we have wrought in this land, for which we will praise his name forever. Behold, how many thousands of brethren has he loosed from the pains of hell, Yea, and they are brought to sing redeeming love, and this because of the power of his word, which is in us. Therefore, have we not great reason to rejoice? Yea, we have reason to praise him forever, for he is the most high God. He has loosed our brethren from the chains of hell. Yea, they were encircled about with everlasting darkness and destruction. Behold, he has brought them into his everlasting light, yea, into everlasting salvation, and they are encircled about with the matchless bounty of his love. Yea, we have been instruments in the hands, in his hands of doing this great and marvelous work. And that is also what the coming work is called, the great and marvelous work and a wonder. The beginning of the gathering out of Israel from the four quarters of the earth, beginning at the time of the end time exodus. Yea, and we have been instruments in his hand of doing this great and marvelous work. Verse 16. Therefore, let us glory. Yea, we will glory in the Lord. Yea, we will rejoice, for our joy is full. Yea, we will praise our God forever. Behold, who can glory too much in the Lord? Yea, who can say too much of his great power and of his mercy and of his long suffering toward the children of men? Behold, I say unto you, I cannot say the smallest part which I feel. Who could have supposed that our God would have been so merciful as to have snatched us from our awful, sinful, and polluted state? Behold, we went forth, even in wrath, with mighty threatenings to destroy his church. Oh, then, why did he not consign us to an awful destruction? Yea, why did he not let the sword of his justice fall upon us and doom us to eternal despair? Oh, my soul, almost as it were, fleeth at the thought. Behold, he did not exercise his justice upon us, but in his great mercy hath brought us over that everlasting gulf of death and misery, even to the salvation of our souls. And now, behold, my beloved brethren, what natural man is there that knoweth these things? I say unto you, there is none that knoweth these things, save it be the penitent. 
Yea, he that repenteth and exerciseth faith and bringeth forth good works and prayeth continually without ceasing, unto such it is given to know the mysteries of God. And unto such it shall be given to reveal these things which never have been revealed, yet shall be given unto such to bring thousands of souls to repentance, even as it has been given unto us to bring these our brethren to repentance. So, He that repenteth and exerciseth faith. So repenting and seeking after receiving and acting on revelation and bring forth good works. So repenting, seeking after receiving and exercising revelation, praying continually without ceasing, bringing forth good works unto such it is given to know the mysteries of God. Well, what are the mysteries of God? Well, it's nothing more or less than the doctrine and the covenants and the ordinances of the church of the firstborn, the celestial order, or to be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into Christ's presence in his glory. And everything that comes thereafter, these are the mysteries of godliness. And the key to the mysteries of godliness starts with a broken heart and a contrite spirit and receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, repenting, exercising faith, or seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, bringing forth good works, praying continually without ceasing. Unto such is given to know the mysteries of God. Yea, unto such it shall be given to reveal things which never have been revealed. Yea, it shall be given unto such to bring thousands of souls to repentance. Certainly, this is the path that lays before us. Even as it has been given unto us to bring these, our brethren, to repentance. Now, do ye remember, my brethren, that we said unto our brethren in the land of Zarahemla, we go up to the land of Nephi to preach unto our brethren, the Lamanites, and they laughed us to scorn. For they said unto us, Do you suppose that ye can bring the Lamanites to the knowledge of the truth? Do you suppose that ye can convince the Lamanites of the incorrectness of the, of the traditions of their fathers, as stiff-necked a people as they are, whose hearts delight in the shedding of blood, whose days have been spent in the grossest iniquity, whose ways have been the ways of a transgressor from the beginning? Now, my brethren, ye remember that this was their language. And moreover, did they say... Let us take up arms against them, that we destroy them and their iniquity out of the land, lest they overrun us and destroy us. But behold, my brethren, we came into the wilderness not with the intent to destroy our brethren, but with the intent that perhaps we might save some few of their souls. Now when our hearts were depressed and we were about to turn back, behold, the Lord comforted us and said, Go amongst thy brethren, the Lamanites, and bear with patience thine afflictions, and I will give unto you success. And now behold, we have come and been forth amongst them, and we have been patient in our sufferings, and we have suffered every privation. Yea, we have traveled from house to house, relying upon the mercies of the world, not upon the mercies of the world alone, but upon the mercies of God. So they went forth without purse or script. 
And we have entered into their house and have taught them. And we have taught them in their streets. Yea, we have taught them upon the hills. And we have also entered into the temples and their synagogues and taught them. And we have been cast out and mocked and spit upon and smote upon our cheeks. And may I draw a parallel to what it will be like in finishing up the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house among the Latter-day Saints and all the restoration movements, and then gathering out Israel from the four quarters of the earth, that it will be just like this. We have been cast out and mocked and spit upon and smote upon cheeks. And we have been stoned and taken and bound with strong cords and cast into prison. And through the power and the wisdom of God, we have been delivered again. And we have suffered all manner of afflictions and all this, that perhaps we might be the means of saving some soul. And we suppose that our joy would be full if perhaps that we could be the means of saving some. Now behold, we can look forth and see the fruits of our labors. And are they few? I see unto you nay, but they are many. Yea, we can witness of their sincerity because of their love towards their brethren and also toward us. For behold, they had rather sacrifice their lives and even to take the life of their enemy. And they have buried their weapons of war deep in the earth because of their love towards their brethren. And now behold, I say unto you, has there been so great love in all the land? Behold, I say unto you, nay, there has not, even among the Nephites. For behold, they would take up arms against their brethren. They would not suffer themselves to be slain. But behold, how many of these have laid down their lives. And we know that they have gone to their God because their love and their hatred to sin. Now, have we not reason to rejoice? Yea, I say unto you, there never were men that had so great reason to rejoice as we since the world began. Yea, and my joy is carried away even unto boasting in my God. For he has all power, all wisdom, and all understanding. He comprehendeth all things. And he is a merciful being, even unto salvation to those who repent and believe on his name. Now, if this is boasting, even so will I boast, for this is my life and my light and my joy and my salvation and my redemption from everlasting woe. Yea, blessed is the name of my God, who has been mindful of his people, who are a branch of the tree of Israel and has been lost from its body in a strange land. Yea, I say, blessed be the name of my God, who has been mindful of us wanders in a strange land. Now, my brethren, we see that God is mindful of every people, whatsoever land they may be in. Yea, he numbereth his people, and his bowels of mercy are over all the earth. Now this is my joy and my great thanksgiving. Yea, I will give thanks unto my God forever. Amen. And a cross-reference in Second Nephi, chapter 4, verse 28. Awake, my soul. And this is part, the last part of Nephi's psalm. Awake, my soul, no longer droop in sin. Rejoice, O my heart, and give place no more for the enemy of my soul. Do not anger again because of mine enemies. Do not slacken my strength because of mine afflictions. Rejoice, O my heart, and cry unto the Lord, and say, O Lord, I will praise thee forever. Yea, my soul will rejoice in thee, my God, the rock of my salvation. O Lord, wilt thou redeem my soul? Wilt thou deliver me out of the hands of mine enemies? Wilt thou make me that I may shake at the appearance of sin? 
May the gates of hell be shut continually before me because that my heart is broken and my spirit contrite. O Lord, wilt thou not shut the gates of thy righteousness before me that I may walk in the paths of the low valley, that I may be strict in the plain road? O Lord, wilt thou encircle me around in the robes of thy righteousness? O Lord, wilt thou make a way for mine escape before mine enemies? Wilt thou make my path straight before me? Wilt thou not place a stumbling block in my way, but that thou wouldst clear my way before me and hedge not up my way, but the ways of mine enemy? O Lord, I have trusted in thee, and I will trust in thee forever. I will not put my trust in the arm of flesh. For I know that cursed is he that putteth his trust in the arm of flesh. Yea, cursed is he that putteth his trust in man or maketh flesh his arm. And as a cross-reference in 2 Nephi 28, Nephi tells us what it means to put our trust in the arm of flesh. Verse 31. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So to hearken, or to hearken unto the precepts of men, to put one's trust in the arm of flesh, is to accept as truth that which is written, or spoken, or given, not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. But it is not to rely upon the arm of flesh to receive with gladness all which is spoken by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. 2 Nephi 4, 34. O Lord, I have trusted in thee, and I will trust in thee forever. I will not put my trust in, in the arm of flesh. I know that cursed is he that putteth his trust in the arm of flesh. Yea, cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm. Yea, know that God will give liberally to him that asketh. Yea, my God will give me if I ask not amiss, therefore I will lift up my voice unto thee. Yea, I will cry unto thee, my God, the rock of my righteousness. Behold, my voice shall forever ascend up unto thee, my rock and mine everlasting God. Amen. And this concludes the uh, doctrinal portion of tonight's Zoom meeting. And we will now open it to questions and comments, discussion points, and experiences.